we'll go over the updates on the Ormond Beach case, the Allegan case, and a new constitutional case in federal court. And we'll be answering your constitutional questions live, so get ready to call in now. Are you a prosecutor, law enforcement officer, or local government employee? Want to make sure you are executing the laws in a constitutional manner? Are you a city council member, township board member, or state legislator? Want to ensure the laws you pass are constitutional? Perhaps you're a citizen who wants to know the proper limits on government and the protections for your God-given liberties. Regardless of your role, call me, Constitutional Attorney Katherine Henry, with your constitutional questions during our live call-in show now at the phone number listed on the screen. And remember, together we can restore freedom. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of season three of Restore Freedom Weekly. I'm constitutional attorney Katherine Henry. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, just a little reminder for those of you who are new to the show, we are live streaming on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble, and uh, we'll do our best to stay on top of the comments that are in the chat in each of those three platforms. But of course, this is a live call-in show. And so the focus will be on answering the comments and questions that are coming in uh, to the, um, uh, through the chat, uh, excuse me, through, through the, the phone lines uh, rather than just the chat. And so I encourage you to go ahead and, and give us a call with your constitutional questions. Uh, the phone number to call is 616-303-0093, and uh, it's listed here on the, um, uh, on the screen. Um, and uh, anyway, just wanted to uh, welcome you into joining us after we've been off for a little while. Um, so I said in the, the preview that I was going to give a little bit of an update on three different situations or cases. So I'm going to go ahead and start that until we get our first caller. So uh, the first thing I want to do is update you guys on the city of Ormond Beach case. Uh, in case uh, some of you do, are not aware of what's going on, very briefly, uh, the city of Ormond Beach has decided that they think they uh, can come and physically take our parking pavers, our privacy fence, which is in our yard, and there's no easements, no other property interests of record, nothing like that. And uh, we have two shipping containers uh, in our backyard behind the privacy fence, and they think they could come and take all of that, that they can literally come physically rip it out of our property and be absolved from any damage they cause to the rest of our property while they do that. And they think that they could do that and charge us for doing that. Uh, in fact, I think by their calculations, we already over, owe them over $21,000 and they haven't even started the deconstruction of our property. So um, anyway, that's been uh, a boatload of fun. And 
we had oral argument finally on our appeal. Now the case was heard, this is something that started 16 months ago uh, with the city of Ormond Beach. And actually our dealings with them started years ago uh, when we first moved to Florida. But this particular case, if you will, was started on September 2nd, 2022. And we finally had a... Um, a special magistrate hearing on the issue on uh, February 27th, 2023, and he promptly issued a highly illegal and unconstitutional order uh, allowing the city to come onto our property and uh, to physically take it in violation of the Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, and Eighth Amendment. Uh, but more on that later, because we have, well, we had our first caller, I thought. Um, but there's nothing to answer here. So, okay. Tricks on me, I guess. I'm not sure what's going on here. I'm looking at the phone app and see no phone call coming through. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> so, at any rate, um, hopefully it'll work. Uh, maybe if one of you guys, uh, Lori, uh, Mike, Liberty Cause, if somebody could go ahead and give our our Six one six three zero three zero zero nine three line a call just so I could double check that everything is working correctly and we're not having another technological snafu like we've had in the past. That'd be awesome. In the meantime, um, uh, yeah, so that order was uh, issued by the special magistrate um, and uh, okay. Liberty Cause is uh, trying to help us out in the background uh, because Lori has not been feeling well and not sure if she was able to jump on board and help in the background like she normally does. So um, there's a question that just came from Liberty Cause via text to me. Uh, can you uh, connect with Lori? She's in, I see she's in the YouTube chat uh, and see how, what's going on there because I can't do seven things at once. My brain will explode. Um, I mean, number one, it takes a lot of time and energy just to be as awesome as I am. Uh, but, uh, anyway, then there's breathing and chewing gum and talking and walking and, and things like that. I just can't, I just can't do that many things at once. Um, but anyway, so we, um, we promptly filed an appeal and, uh, I filed a motion for, uh, essentially to set aside, uh, the magistrate's order and for a motion for stay. And I had to uh, wait uh, for him to respond before I filed the appeal and, and the motions in the circuit court. And uh, he never did respond. So after whatever it was, two, three weeks, um, I filed everything in the circuit court and we've been rolling ever since. Our final briefs were due in July. And on July 27th, I filed my final brief the reply brief, and uh, also a motion for oral argument. And we were finally given that oral argument time just last week on Wednesday. We had actually over an hour of oral argument time, and I don't think the judge read my brief. And the judge said that none of the laws applied of our state, none of the laws that are enacted by our, our legislature applied. Didn't say why, just said they don't apply. And... Um, that constitutional cases, there's the phone line again. I'm not sure what's going on, why I can't see it. Let me see. Hang in there with me, guys. I'm gonna switch to 
thought maybe somebody was calling the other phone number that I have attached to Google Voice here on the computer, and that's not the case. It's just not showing that there's phone calls coming in. So I literally have no way to answer. There's no answer button. I'm not sure what's going in there. Do not disturb. I'm going to turn it on. And now I'm going to turn it off. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, oh, now it shows me that we had a call come in. Okay, caller from the 858 area code. If you want to try to give me a call again, maybe it'll work. Um, we'll see. Um, so I'm going to actually go to the chat here. Um, anyway, I'm not sure that the judge um, really even... Anyway, there's statutes, there's codes, uh, there's city ordinances, there's cases upon cases upon cases. There's the, the U.S. Constitution, there's the state constitution. Tons of things involved say that they don't have the authority to come onto our property and physically take our property at all. Okay, good, we have our caller calling back. Give me a second, guys. Good afternoon, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy uh, morning to me. And where are you calling from? I am calling from San Diego, California. My name is Alan Myers. I know Catherine, and I got a few constitutional things to talk about. Awesome! I saw I just missed your call uh, to my phone right before I came on. I was like, wait, maybe he pocket dialed me. I don't. Okay, so uh, I've I've been uh, uh, texting with Lori. Okay. So. Yeah, one of the things I'd like to talk about is what I call, and I would like Catherine's position on it, I call it federal land grab. Yes. And I've written an article about it, and I'd like to talk about it, and then if she agrees, how we can help people get active on getting states and counties to take the land back. Well, yes, uh, Alan, I definitely agree. Um, that's something that uh, I was very interested in when you sent it over to me. Uh, just one of the many, in fact, that idea, that concept, since you sent that to me, it has been rolling around in my mind in, in a variety of contexts as different news stories come up or I read certain articles or I see things going on. In fact, I just had a pastor that God put in my path uh, just a couple days ago a pastor that's local in the area here that, um, you know, we just started this, we actually met him through Facebook Marketplace. We just went to buy a small item and ended up having this great conversation. And something he said uh, was something about, you know, I don't understand why states, you know, don't, the states that are, you know, full of common sense and constitutionality don't stand up and just say, you know what, you know, you guys can go do your thing, uh, but you can have all your, you know, your property back, your whatever you got. Um, but you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna control um, our property. You know our area within our borders from now on, and and we're gonna do so in accordance with the Constitution, et cetera, et cetera. And so anyway, the the whole conversation made me think of my conversations with you about right. the um, the whole topic. So um, yeah, so tell tell us what is the federal land grab? What's going on with that? Well. <clears throat> I won't get into the history of the Constitution other than, you know, they finalized it in September of 1787, and the government went operational March 1789. The 
one of the key elements is to me is the Tenth Amendment, which basically, you know, correct me if I got this wrong, is that if it's not in the Constitution, federal government, you don't have it. Exactly. And so then we get to Article One, Section Eight, also known as the Enumerated Powers. This is where Congress, excuse me, the founders are telling Congress, "This is what you got. This is it." And you go to Clause Seventeen. So we're Article One, Section Eight, Clause Seventeen, and you know all of the clauses basically begin with the Congress shall have power, and then you get into Clause Seventeen. The first part is about the 10 square miles or 10 miles square that's D.C. And then and that it shall become the seat of the government. And then you get to the last part. And to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of, and that, means, that would be building, forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings. That's it. Well, according to Congressional Research Service, uh, their numbers as of February 2020, the federal government owns about 27% of the U.S. Does that sound right? <laughs> I mean, uh, correct, probably. Uh, uh, does it sound appropriate? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, as in, okay, really, you need, a, a, again, according to the this source, which is congressional, uh, round number 615,311,602 acres, or 27% of the total land. That's what the federal government needs for forts, magazines, arsenal, dockyards, and needful buildings? No. Nowhere in that description, congressional description, does it say forests, grasslands, on and on and on. Right. So to me, so to me uh, the and to give you an idea of the magnitude, if you take the entire landmass of east of the Mississippi, it's over 500 million acres. The federal government owns more than that land west of the Mississippi. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So are you saying that 007 should actually not be charged with trespass right now? Sorry, I just had to take a little tidbit from the news. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Uh, oh, yeah, he's the... charged with uh, touching. I forget what it actually was. I read it, but... Um, the uh, Yeah, he was Pierce Bros, whatever his name is. Um, he, he was oh, you're talking about, um, uh, are we talking about Epstein? No, no. He, um, what's, what's the guy's name? I can picture what he looks Bronson? like. Pierce, his first name is Pierce. He was 007. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. So he was charged with, uh, was it at Yosemite? Um, just recently in the last two weeks, he, um, walked off of the, the boardwalk or whatever it was and, he was touching, you know, the actual actually touching the land, and oh, okay. So he's been charged. Oh, Bros- with... Yeah, it's like Brosnan or something, Pierce Bra. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just think of him as 007, but anyway. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Wait a minute, he touched dirt? He, t he touched the actual land. I don't, I don't know if it was dirt, a tree, I don't remember the details, but he touched the land, and now the federal government is, uh, is um, bringing crim criminal trespass charges against him. Okay, well, uh, first of all, one way to do see th this is one way to deal with this, which is to say, okay, federal government, I know you currently are considered the owner of this property, okay, got it, but you hold it unconstitutionally, and everyone in the in D.C. who holds an office, which you know I call them elected employees. You swore an oath to protect and defend. Yep, the Constitution. Yeah, the Constitution, and I, and I'm thinking, but your ownership of the vast majority of the land that the federal government is considered to own is unconstitutional. Therefore, it's illegal. Yeah. Therefore, you have no standing to enforce any rules on anyone on this land. Yeah. That that to me would be the beginning of the defense. Oh, actually, I wonder if my friend, um, gosh, what is his other, well, Foshin, anyway, uh, I forgot what his, uh, this is a public service, is his yeah. channel name. I wonder if he's listening in, because that actually might be an interesting way to go about um, a, a case that he's working on right now, uh, dealing with um, federal property. So, hmm, I'll have to talk to him about that. Might be a little harder yeah. to prove the uh, the absence of a um, of a uh, consent of the legislature of the state to purchase the building in question, but worth a try. So the thing is, in that in that part of the clause, it's there's three things: purchase, state legislature approval, and for the specific purposes. Let's say, for example, they did purchase it the land, they did get the state legislature approval, but it's not for any of those stated reasons. That's unconstitutional. Right. This is, this is not one out of three, two out of three. This is three out of three. Yeah. Now, I imagine a lot of the land, because so much of this land is west of the Mississippi, that when the territories became states, the federal government kept land. Yeah. Which means they did not pay, well, they didn't pay the state for it. They did not get state legislature approval because there was no state legislature when they cut the deal. Either way, you're not using it for forts, magazines, or arsenals, dockyards, or needful buildings. Right. Over 60% of Utah, 63% of Utah is federal government. Another really? reason to not go there. <laughs> Well, no, it's that this this is the absolute reason to begin to reduce federal government overreach by going after something that, to me, is absolutely basic and simple. Yeah. Which is, you don't hold this constitutionally, therefore you don't hold it at all, and we, the state, and we, the counties, are taking it back. Right. What happens to a state when it gets back millions and millions of acres of land? Well, number one, that state's going to be a little bit more wealthy yep. because it, it can either keep the land, sell it, rent it, lease it. If it sells it to private entities, then 
those private entities are going to be paying property taxes. Yep. That helps the county. So if if a state if you can't get a state AG to do this because they're not constitutionally oriented, then I think counties, if they had a constitutionally oriented sheriff who said we're done, just go take it back. You, you find out who's running the property, and you give them a <clears throat> you give them twenty four forty eight hours to get out get out, and then just take it back. Change the property records at the county level and say, no, this belongs to the state or this belongs to the county. And the reason I like this this whole issue is because, number one, I think it's so simple. And number two, it really begins to really highlight the overreach of the federal government. Yes. Well, I would hope by now people on all sides of political aisles can easily see the overreach of the federal government. But um, yeah, it's, it's yet another way that definitely highlights the overreach of the federal government for sure. Well, they'd have to, they'd have to be at least a beginning student of the constitution to see it, but they're not, but they're not. So. Yeah, exactly. uh, So that, that's one of them. Uh, I got another one if you want to talk about it. Oh, uh, well, sure. I do have somebody that that was uh, going to call and ask me a question about a warrant issue. But, um, yeah, what's the, what's the other topic? Just the other one. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We're going to go back to the Constitution. Hope you don't mind. Well, gosh, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it's a small enough book. I'll... No. Then they're done it. Okay. Yeah. We're still in Article 1, Section 8. And this finally dawned on me and if you go to clause five it says to coin money regulate the value thereof and a foreign coin fixed standard weight measure to coin money Uh, for me I'll say to create money to bring money into existence that is a power granted to Congress vested with Congress which means it can't give it away am I correct um, there, there is no ability to hand off powers that are specifically provided to um, any governmental entity in the Constitution to just hand them off to some other branch or agency, if right. that's what you're asking. Okay. Next question. Can you, can D.C. amend the Constitution by passing a law? Absolutely not. No constitution, okay. no state constitution, the U.S. Constitution, even uh, local constitutions that are called charters cannot be amended by a legislative body doing whatever it wants to on its own accord. A constitution is essentially the social contract of the people, and there have to be very specific measures involved in order to amend the constitution at any level. Right. And, yeah, I, I do refer to the Constitution as a contract. And you read, you understand, you follow the contract. You don't just change it willy-nilly. But the founders were, excuse me, <clears throat> foresighted enough to say, okay, if you have to change this contract, here's the amendment process. Okay, good. You familiar with the Federal Reserve Act of 1913? Uh, a bit. Okay. Well, the Federal Reserve Act created the Federal Reserve System which actually gave the power, to, and, it, and it's still in existence today, it gave the power for banks, commercial banks, not the Federal Reserve System, not the Treasury, the banks 
are the sole creators of money in our system. They bring it into existence, they take it out. Well, wait a minute. That power belongs to Congress. Federal Reserve Act is unconstitutional. Well, I would say 95% of our statutes on the books are unconstitutional. <laughs> so, yes, that sounds about right. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's, that to me is absolutely huge. But it once again, it just shows how long we the people have been asleep, not paying attention to what is being done in D.C., and that this is just another area that we, it is up to us. The founders gave us this great contract. They gave us a way to amend it, to change it. It's Nothing is perfect, but it, it was given the time period that it came out of, there's been nothing like it. But if people aren't happy with the country, maybe it's because we have to go back to the original contract and get our federal government to do only what it was supposed to do. Right. So. Well, yes, we definitely need to figure out good, <laughs> tangible ways to hold all government officials accountable to following and abiding by the Constitution, going back to that very contract and uh, and really putting some teeth into it because it is just disgusting how government officials at all levels, in all branches, just trample all over the Constitution, either knowingly or out of their pure stupidity, uh, ineptitude, or ignorance, and it, there's, there's no accountability. Um, it's... I hate to admit it, but I'm starting to lose hope that there's a way to hold them accountable. Uh, so. I don't. I have, a tr I, have, I have all the hope in the world. You get enough people awake to understand what's going on. They send a little message to their elected employees in D.C. Stop doing this or you're going to get fired. We have to take – I mean, th you know, if we go back to the revolution – what kind of courage did it take to finally tell Britain, bite me, and create the Declaration of Independence? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's it's going to take courage, though. And it's not just with the federal government. It takes people having courage to show up and, and fight back at their local government, county and city and, you know, state levels. It takes people, you know, calling... Uh, police departments, when they see an illegal arrest go down or it's, you know, televised on YouTube or, or whatever, live streamed, um, it takes people, um, you know, showing up to a, a court hearing to make sure that justice is done and having the eyes of the public on the situation. Um, it takes banding together to do those kinds of things. And I'm just seeing so many people being you know, people that we finally got fired up in 2000 and 2021, uh, or, or sorry, 2020 and 2021, that they were finally fired up and, and engaged and wanting to participate and have each other's backs, you know, are like, well, my life is comfortable again, so I'm busy. I got this going on. I got that going on. I've had this trauma. I've had that trauma. And I get it. But, you know, what about the rest of us? How are the rest of us supposed to keep the fight going on? I mean, I myself in the last 12 months have lost three loved ones, three. 
I've had to take on the care of uh, my best friend's 15 year old. And, um, and, and, you know, it's not foster care. There's no money coming in. There's no uh, assistance or help. It's just, we're expected to pay for the counseling. We're expected to pay for the, the trauma services that she needs. We're expected to do this and do that and fly up to court to have, you know, court hearings in another state or whatever. It, it's, it's, um, I've, I've had personally en enough for a lifetime, my, the battles that I've faced, but you know, I'm still trudging along, dragging, dragging my, you know, uh, stumps, if you will, through to, to continue the freedom fight. And, and where's all the people that are expecting me to help? Cause I could tell you how many times, how many people that have come to the few, we've had three hearings, in-person hearings on this Ormond Beach case alone. And I can tell you how many people showed up. It wasn't that many. Uh, four came to this last one. And uh, one came to the one before that. And uh, three, four, four came to the original one in February last year. That was it. And, and yet, I can tell you, since Christmas break, how many people uh, have called me or texted me needing legal advice. Free legal advice, of course. Of course. No one has actually offered to pay me money for any of the help uh, that I've given on, on, uh, you know, I could spend an hour, you know, on a phone call advising somebody or whatever, or trying to steer them in the right direction, or I could spend, you know, weeks long via texting or email or whatever. And, and so anyway, you have, and I'm sure that I'm not the only person that's in that scenario, but you know, we're quick to pick up a phone and ask somebody, Hey, can you, can you come help in my situation? Can you do me a favor? Can you, you know, but we're not that quick to, to show up, to stand up and show up for those that are continually fighting. So, um, yeah, so it, like you said, it takes us, it, it could be pretty easy. We have, we have the power of numbers, the number of people that are disgusted with, with what our government is doing, that are trampling our private property rights, that are trampling our liberties, that are doing X, Y, and Z in total violation of state constitutions and U.S. constitution, et cetera. But nowhere near a high percentage of those people are actually willing to stand up and fight back. Some are just cowards because they see what's happening to President Trump and alternate electors from the state of Michigan and the state of Georgia. They see, you know, pastors who are being um, arrested and prosecuted for violating COVID shutdown orders in 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, they see people being let go and fired from their jobs for not taking the jab. They see all these things happening and they go, whoa, I, I just, I can't do that. But then what about just at least being willing to stand behind the people that have the guts to be there fighting the good fight all along? It's just, anyway, I could go on forever about that. So. <laughs> no, I, this, this, and I thank you for, for sharing. I'm, I was glad to listen. The, the, the land grab thing to me is potentially a great uniter because it's absolutely constitutional. There's there's no way to broadly interpret this part of it. It, it is straight up simple, tells you exactly what has to happen. It's been violated. People, uh, especially people who get involved at, at their state or county level, there's going to be a whistleblower fee on this to me. You help your state get back land because the people in office haven't done diddly 
there's going to be a whistleblower fee. Well, and, it, it, and, and I think so, it's one of the easier ways in many respects. It's one of the easier ways. So if you're out there and, you know, you're catching this video live now or later or on one of the podcast platforms later on and you're, you're listening or watching and you're going, gosh, you know, I just don't know how I can get involved. I don't have the courage to to do a whole lot and I don't want to take on, you know, it, this is something that it, it's not about you or your own property or you know, standing out on the front lines with, uh, you know, a camera recording things that the government does as a First Amendment auditor or, you know, just whatever the case is, speaking at a rally or something like that. It, it's not that intense, but it's something that you can essentially be a keyboard warrior on. You could do quite a bit of impact by finding the areas within your, perhaps right within your own community, let alone, you know, just within your state that the federal government uh, claims to own, but that there has not been a statutory, uh, a state uh, legislative uh, approval of that purchase. And you could go to town, you could contact your state legislators, you could contact the state attorney general's office, you could, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved in the way that Alan's talking about. Um, and in fact, um, Alan, have you that, uh, I think, gosh, it's been a while ago that you sent that to me, but I want to say you had a link that went to one of your websites that had the um, the spreadsheets and you know all the information about that. Have you uh, shared that link in the chat on YouTube today at all? No, I haven't. What I can do though is uh, I'll I'll go verify where it is and then I could send it to you. Okay. And or I could send you the the article and then the spreadsheets that I did based on the information from Congressional Research Service. And that way people would be, you know, they'd have the information. And to me, it, if it's going to be at any level, it's going to be at the county level because that's where the property records are usually held. Mm -hmm. And if, if somebody wanted to go out there and find out in their county, is there any land held by the federal government, you get into the part where you can research property in a county by owner's name type in united states of america wait is uh i, I want to follow up on some comments i'm getting about this in the chat sure. um first of all Lori shared https colon uh, slash slash fed ed dot us slash okay. land dash grab um, and then Dave Apex. That's where it's at. Okay, okay. which is my website, FedEd, F-E-D-E-D.us. And then uh, Dave on YouTube is asking if I could write a short petition and post it on the website to use to notice um, their state legislators. I don't have the bandwidth for that, but do you happen to have, um, Alan, an example of, of something in writing that people could do once they have uh, identified some property that seems to fall into this category. I could work. I don't I, right now at this moment. No, because <clears throat> to me, uh, part of it is finding. You'd want to do this in a county that has. If you're doing it at the county level, you'd want to do it in a, as a start. <clears throat> you want the county. You want the county sheriff to be uh, constitutional because you're going to need that law enforcement officer and office to back you up. Right. The first thing to do is to go into the, your county records, find out which 
pro- what property is owned by the United States of America. And one of my friends who happens to be in Florida, he did the research on the count- on a county, and we found 59 hits. Wow. Under under United States of America. And some of this was just vacant land. Some of this was for mineral rights. It's like, what do you mean mineral rights? That's not in Clause 17. But the craziest one was there was a piece of property. I think it was in a residential area. United States of America was 50% owner. The other 50% owner, uh, I believe, is a woman, and she's part of the school board. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, so, it, so the thing would be, uh, the, the first step is to, is to do the homework at the county level, because if you go to the, even if you go to the state AG, attorney general, yep. they're not, they're not going to go do this for you. So right. you get, you got to bring up, you got to bring them, let's say the evidence. Exactly. Uh, or you do it at the county level with the sheriff. You research your county. Your county may have, may not. You just go through, you know, as many counties as you want. You get other people in your state to, to do all the counties. So eventually you know what parcels in a county are owned by the United States of America, federal government. Right. Then you go take a look at them. And you determine positively, is there a fort, magazine, arsenal, dockyard, or needful building? And, you know, that's it. I mean, that's it. There's there's no maybes, kind of, sort of, whatever's in that clause. It is, for me, it is absolutely specific, which makes it so, so powerful. Well, the needful then, building is a little bit gray, but I think that's... Um, well, okay. That's perhaps a, a more Mount Rushmore is not a needful building. I would agree with that, but <laughs> I could see what they're getting at. Oh, well, we have a, a little ticket booth, uh, you know, for admissions to get into XYZ National yeah. Park. That's a needful building. So we're complying with the, I'm just, I just see that's what yeah, the ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. You, you see that you see these ten square feet that your building's on. That's yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other well, thing is, you, I think of national parks. Yeah. No way. Right. Right. That's state property. Help your state. Help your county. And bec- help people become aware of how overreaching our federal government has gotten. Yes. Uh. The, well, Alan, this, know, is, it, this is all really important, um, but I, I do have that guy that go. was wanting to ask me about a, um, a okay. warrant situation, so I want to give him a chance before it, that lunch hour ends here for some people, but <laughs> breakfast hour in your neck of the woods. Uh, well, thank you for, for taking the call. I really appreciate it, and I want to talk with you more later off air on another day. Yeah. And, and Well, it's been nice to hear your voice again, so... Thank Back you. at you. And, uh, and gonna... the last thing I'll leave you with, if you, when you want to get into it, let's talk about natural born citizen. Oh, okay. We will do that. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, thanks. Have a great day. Be safe and well. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, guys. It's doing the same thing. There's a call coming in. I don't know if you guys can hear the ringing, but um, it is not actually letting me see there's a call. So maybe, uh, maybe it'll work now. Um, so I don't know how to say the YouTube uh, name. Jay Curvet, I believe, is the YouTube um, person that was talking about. There are two YouTube feeds going it's the second time that's happened. I have no idea what's, I, I don't know what to say. Um, Google hates me. YouTube hates me. Facebook hates me. Um, yeah, I, I can't fix that. There's two YouTube feeds going cause I only started the one. <laughs> so I'm not sure what to do about that. Um, okay. So if you, um, want to give me a call again, it showed up that you just tried to call me. Well, let me see if I could do this. Maybe I could call you back. Maybe, maybe it won't let me call you back. Let's see. What in the world? Yeah, it's not letting me. We'll try to call out. See if it's out. Hi, this is Jimmy. Call me back. Wow. What is it doing? All right, guys. I'm going to, I turn do not disturb on and off to see if that changes it because it's not, it's not giving me, I, whoever's calling right now looks like our caller that's following us on, uh, oh, oh, maybe it was JC News now. Um, okay. I don't remember who it was that was originally talking about it. It's happening again. I have no button to answer the phone call. So as much as I love technology, this is fabulous. I will call you back, caller. If you're the same person that's tried now twice in the 501 phone number, um, area code phone number, I will, as soon as you're done, you hang up because I can't, I, there's no way to answer the call on my end. I will call you back because it at least allowed me to do that. So let me see if I could try again. Let's see. See if this works. At least it's ringing this time. So that's a good sign. Miss Henry. Hi, I don't know what's going on with the technology here, but at least I was able to call you, even though it won't let uh, me answer the phone call from you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I love your show. I love what you stand for. Well, thank you. <laughs> I have a little story that's going on with me. I'm a First Amendment activist. I'm actually a civil rights activist altogether. There's a small town in southern Missouri. You know how the southern towns go. That many of my viewers contacted me and said that they would be persecuted if they went into the police department to get a complaint form. I decided to test this on uh, November the 25th. And I went in there. I took, I was running my camera while I was in there because I have a YouTube channel. And a lieutenant came and physically shoved me out and said, you can't film in here. So I did a sunshine request as well. We call the foyers sunshines here in Missouri. Okay. I uh, went, out, went out in the parking lot and 
some guy that was unidentified, I later found out he was the chief of police. He wasn't wearing a uniform or a badge or anything. He used homophobic slurs on me and braided me all the way to my car. I left. Well, some of the bigger channels picked this up and discovered some very ugly things about the lieutenant that pushed me out. I won't say here, but it was of the adult film nature. Well, they ran those videos. Well, their viewers began calling City Hall and the police department, and they got so many calls it shut down the non-emergency lines. And they turned their Facebook comments off and everything. Oh. So on, on December 12th, I emailed the city clerk a letter of intent to sue and gave her 30 days to either settle or we'll go to uh, federal court on a 1983 Title 18 case. And I went to their Facebook page. I was going to go to a city council meeting, and it said that all people that wanted to speak had to submit their question in writing 10 business days prior and then wait for permission. They'd contact you. So I called. I felt this was unconstitutional. Yeah. I called the lady, and she said, let me call you back. An hour later, the mayor called me back and said, Jimmy, you'll have a chance to speak tonight if you come. The meeting was that night. I said, okay, I'll be there. On the way there, I got a death threat that said, if you come to the meeting, you'll never make it back to Branson alive. So I called another uh, auditor or activist, said, hey, man, can you meet me there? I'm kind of nervous. I went there, and I served the letter of intent to the city council that night, and I explained to them what happened. And, well, so many viewers called in and redressed that the very next day after I served the letter, the the lieutenant, the one that was discovered was doing dirty things prior to becoming a cop, he went to the sheriff's department. This was a city cop, so he went to the sheriff's department and had a deputy take a probable cause statement for harassment said i was harassing them and they waited till december 26th and went to a judge in a different county and got a warrant signed i don't know why they didn't go to douglas county they went to ozark county and got a warrant signed the judge didn't sign the warrant his clerk did i don't know if that matters anyway there's a warrant out for me now so I'm waiting until the next available court date to go turn myself in. But I'm in I'm in a pickle. I feel like all this is unconstitutional. I didn't make any calls. I made one call to the police department and got hung up on. But it's just it's a wild west out here in southern Missouri. Yeah. These cops they're doing what they want to do. And I know what they're going to do. They're going to martyr me, and I don't mind that. I, I just want the people of Douglas County and Ava to not be afraid to go file a police uh, complaint. Right. What they do is they, they persecute these people and they instill fear. Yeah. And it's, a, it's one of the poorest counties in Missouri, so they don't have representation. Right. And. Even the one they do come up with the money, nobody around here will take a case. Hmm. I don't. Anyway, I just wanted to share my story with you. 
Yeah, that's uh, you have the right to attend public meetings. You have the right to redress your grievances, you know, petition the government to redress your, your grievances. So you have a right to speak at public meetings. Um, you have a right to, um, you know, call the police department to request um, that a, a complaint be filed um, on your behalf or to get documentation to do that or whatever the process is, you have the right to make a complaint against unlawful or unconstitutional behavior. Um, and they don't have the right to retaliate. Um, they uh, certainly don't have the right to try to hold you criminally responsible for the behavior of other people. Um, I, I mean, that'd be like saying when I was unlawfully and unconstitutionally and violently arrested on election day 2020 and it was live streaming and people started calling the Allegan County Sheriff's Department as they were, you know, as the situation was unfolding, had they not gotten all those calls, they would have ended up taking me away, uh, taking my daughter, who was six at the time, and towing my car like they said they were going to do. But because they got flooded with phone calls demanding that they release me, they ended up uh, still pursuing the criminal charges against me. And, you know, I was arrested, but they ended up releasing me uh, at the scene yet that day. Um, but, you know, that'd be like saying, I don't know what they... What the deputy ended up saying to me as uh, as I was trying to leave the property later on, he said, well, can you you're still live streaming. So can you go back on and tell your viewers to stop calling or contacting the jail because they think that you're in the jail right now and you need to tell them to stop going there or stop calling, which I thought was hilarious. Why do you need my help? You're the one that created the problem. I don't owe them anything. <laughs> yeah. So, um I mean, that's a time when I actually felt like people were, you know, backing each other and being willing to do what it needs, you know, what needs to be done. I mean, no one's called Ormond Beach City Attorney's Office or the city, you know, gone to city council and said, this is unconstitutional what you're doing to this Ormond Beach resident. Anybody could pick up a phone or send an email from anywhere in the country, but you don't see people doing that. So anyway, um, Yes, it, none none of what you're describing sounds like legitimate government action at all, and uh, I would definitely suggest that you you know keep on uh, fighting that good fight. And you know it's it sucks when we're having to bear the burden of those fights on our own, and that you know more people don't stand up and and just have your back, just physically showing up uh, to support you know whatever the situation is. But the day that you go to turn yourself in on this warrant, I sure as heck hope that you're going to live stream when and, and where and, and ask people to join you, to just show up and support so that, you know, they don't try to pull some sort of garbage, um, you know, denying you a hearing or anything like that. Um, make sure that you go and watch the video I did on the purpose of bail so you know what arguments to make for bail before, uh, before you show up. But um, at any rate, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people, uh, if nothing else, hopefully from your phone call, people hear uh, that there's someone else out there still fighting the good fight and, and being dragged through the mud in the process, uh, but also being a little bit more awakened to what is actually happening to people that are just out there doing everyday normal things. Because um, that's, that's what it takes is more and more people just being awakened to it all. Yeah, 
Miss Henry, I, I love your show and I love your work and I've been watching for a while and I hope you keep doing because you're helping a lot of people and that's very, very much appreciated. And I just love you for what you do and thank you so much. I appreciate you talking to me today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't hesitate to call back in the future. Um, it's good for me to hear. I appreciate the uh, hearing about your, your the value you find in what I'm doing because um, it's some days I feel like my efforts go in vain. You know, I, I do videos like this where I was putting together those short 10 minute videos such as the bail one I mentioned earlier. And, you know, despite over 15,000 viewers on um, YouTube and 20,000 on Facebook and 5,000 on my personal Facebook and, you know, thousands here and there on TikTok and Twitter and whatever else, you know, I'm lucky if a total of 600 people see one of the videos all combined on all the platforms. And, you know, is that really worth 60 hours of my time in, in preparing to, you know, put together one of these videos and compiling it and editing it and, you know, whatever to share it out there? It's, it really feels like it's probably not not worth the, the time and the effort sometimes. So it's good to know if I'm actually making a difference or helping somebody in some way. That's for sure. Well, you, you, start, you certainly are, and you have worth to me. And I appreciate it so much. And if one person sees it, it's worthy. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, and, and you said you have, um, is it a, a First Amendment auditing channel? Is that what you're... The focus of your channel is? Yes, yes ma'am. I'm JC News Now. JC News Now. Okay, you guys heard it. Uh, there's another First Amendment auditor to check out if you haven't already done so. Um, and if you uh, ever want to, you know, some of your viewers have questions about those kinds of situations or other stuff that they're going through, um, by all means, reach out to us and let me know. And I'd be happy to, to answer questions on your channel if you think it would help people in any way. I will. Thank you so much for the shout out. And thank you for everything you do again. And don't stop. You're doing great work. Please don't stop. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Miss Henry. Have a great day. Yes, you too. Bye. So, um, all right, I did want to, sorry, I haven't been able to see um, all of the chat uh, when I get really ingrained into listening to what a caller is saying. Um, I do my best to try to read at the same time as the comments are flowing in, but I, I can't always do that. Um, but there was, um, oh, let's see. Okay. Um, all right. So there was a comment. Let's see. Was there anything else? Trying to make sure that um, Liberty Cause and Lori have been trying to keep me up to speed on if there's any comments coming from Facebook or Rumble. Um, and Roger Sullivan is asking if MCL or Michigan State Statute 168.191, uh, if that would apply to appointments due to vacancy. Now, if you would have asked me that two years ago, I had all of the 168 practically memorized and I could have answered off the top of my head, but other than knowing general, uh, it's general election law, I don't have it memorized, so I would have to look, uh, and I don't have enough bandwidth to leave all that I have open right now to go doing that search right now. But um, on the point of what's uh, some things in 
And as far as vacancies or recalls, I did get another question that I am able to answer with stuff right in front of me. Um, so someone, I don't remember who it was. It was a username on uh, YouTube here that started with a K. Uh, I just, I can't scroll uh, given how the screen appears to me. So I, I don't remember the, the username exactly. But anyway, the question was about recalls. And um, some state constitutions have a process for recalling public officers. Some don't. Some have state statutes um, and some don't. Um, but the, um, the Michigan State Constitution, Article 2, Section 8, talks specifically about recalls. And uh, it's talking about that, that there should be laws, that the state has to en enact laws that provide for the recall of all elective officers except for judges. And uh, that it has to be upon petition of electors or voters um, equal in number to 25% of the number of persons voting in the last preceding election for the office of governor in the electoral district of the officer sought to be recalled. So the question, uh, for those of you who also didn't see it originally, uh, was something to the effect of asking how many people, if you want to go recall somebody who's at a county level office or uh, or a, a congressional seat or whatever it is, uh, how can you get that started? How many signatures are needed on a petition for recall in order to get to the stage of having that recall election in Michigan? And so the question was, do you really need 25% of the number of votes for the governor in the state? Now, you do need 25% of the number of votes for governor, but it's not for the whole state. So if there were, you know, if there were 4 million votes for uh, the governor in the last election, uh, that doesn't mean you need 1 million uh, signatures on a petition. No, what it means is if you are looking at a congressional seat, for example, if you're looking at trying to recall um, a Congress uh, congressman, then what you need to do is look at how many people in that congressional district voted for the, um, the office of governor in the last uh, election cycle. And so if that in that one particular congressional district, if there were 500,000 or let's just say 400,000 people uh, that voted for governor in that one congressional district, that means you need 100,000. If it was 400,000, you'd need 100,000 uh, registered voters to sign a petition to recall that particular congressman. Now, if it's at a county level, if you have uh, if you want to recall a prosecuting attorney, then you need to look at how many people voted for governor within that particular county in the last election cycle. And so if you have a very small county and maybe 50,000 people voted for um, uh, governor in the last election cycle, then you would need the signatures of 12,500 people in order to uh, be able to recall the office, the, the person in, in any of county office, such as the county prosecutor, et cetera. So anyway, um, I don't, like I said, I don't remember that your name uh, on YouTube here, the person that was asking the question about that, uh, but I did want to get back to it and answer that. So hopefully you're still watching and uh, this was able to answer your question on that point. Um, and as far as, um, Asking the question on a particular statute, um, yeah, I just don't know about, I'd have to, it'd be like the most boring thing for me to know exactly which statute off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up, double check it, read it. If it's one of the longer ones, uh, then that would take me quite a while to read through it. Um, if it's like one of the one or two sentence statutes, 
go ahead and comment with the language of the statute uh, there and they, the Lori or uh, the Liberty Cause will pull it over so I can see um, and I, I can go from there. But um, in general, uh, yes, I believe Chapter 168 does deal with all kinds of issues for uh, elections and, and recalls and things like that. Um, okay, and I'm looking, uh, I'm just looking, oh, we have another phone call, so... Caller, if you are listening right now, I would love to answer your phone call, but it is not showing me that you are calling, and it is, in fact, not even registering uh, a phone number showing me yet that I have missed a call. So um, I will call you right back as soon as it shows me the phone number for a missed call. And I don't know what else to do, you guys, about the calls not really working that great. Um, there's nothing that's explaining this. I have started and restarted things. Um, I've turned off settings and turned them back on. In fact, I'm going to close the calling app and just reopen it to see if that helps any. Um, and then we can get that last caller called back, perhaps. Please show me the phone number. Oh, that was Roger Sullivan that was calling. Okay, so uh, let me see. It's not, it's not letting me do. Nope. Oh, it is not showing me your number. It is just showing Sullivan contracting. So I can't call you back either. At least the other ones I was able to copy and paste a phone number. Uh, if you wanted to put the number in the chat that you want me to call, I could call it and then you could probably go in and delete your comment after that um, if you don't want the number in there, but I'm assuming it's a business number that you advertise anyway. Uh, so anyway, I'm sorry about the technology guys that it is not working, um, but at least I can call out. So if I have the phone number, if, if the phone number itself shows up, I can call you right back. Uh, while I'm waiting to see if he's going to uh, send his uh, phone number in the YouTube chat or um, uh, I don't know, reach out in some other way that I could hopefully answer. Um, I was letting you guys know um, about the Ormond Beach case. Uh, I think I got to the point of telling you guys that oral argument was last week, uh, but uh, the judge is taking it under advisement. So I'm asking for all of you to intervene in, in some way. Specifically, I'm asking you to intervene right now with the power of prayer, because I think given the, the questions that were being asked and um, that my brief hadn't actually been read, either one of them hadn't been read. Um, it seems like um, there, okay, I'm gonna give you a call right back, uh, Roger, give me just a second here to close out this thought. Uh, so it's, um, it's really discouraging to me that we're gonna cherry pick which laws to follow and that we're more concerned about uh, remedies available for, um, a local jurisdiction. And first of all, that we started that hearing with the assumption that we've done everything wrong and that they've done everything right. And uh, not that there is an assumption, the base point should be, okay, you as a property owner, us, me and my husband, we have 
uh, basic property rights that are protected by the U.S. Constitution, the state constitution, state statutes, and even the land development code. And that there's very specific provisions that a governmental entity has to go through uh, if they want to be able to take someone's property, physically take it, let alone take it in a regulatory manner. Either way, they have a bunch of hoops to jump through. And that should be the, the mindset going into that, hearing to, to reading the briefs, to, to doing anything in the case. And that wasn't the starting point. So um, I, I, I really fear at this point that uh, justice is not going to come at this level unless there's divine intervention. And so I'm asking all of you guys to just do me that. Pray that we have some divine intervention on this and that God can lay it on the, the appeal judge's heart to actually read the briefs that I have submitted, to read the laws that I have painstakingly included, to look at the cases I have cited, uh, to reread those portions of the U.S. and state constitution and to follow uh, the, the biggest mandate of all, which is to uh, serve the purpose of government, which is to protect our private property rights and um, our other rights as, as citizens. So anyway, if you guys wouldn't mind doing that, I would greatly appreciate that. And right now, uh, I am giving in an attempt. Oh, come on. It grayed out my call button. Why is that? I have too many digits somehow. There's too many digits in there, Lori. I just realized that. It's not letting me call because there's too many digits. I don't know what the last four digits are because there are five. So instead of having one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, there's 11 digits in this phone number. I know the 906 area code is legit because that's the UP. Um, but after that, I don't know what numbers exist. Um, so anyway, Roger, if you want to... Let me know if maybe the nine that was put at the end of the number is not supposed to be in there. Um, that would be great. Um, and in the meantime, I wanted to check in on, let's see if there's any other comments going on. Um, well, guys, um, yeah, I'm not too sure about what's going on with that phone number. But um, while I wait to see if there is a, oh, okay. So I will delete the nine and I can give Roger a call back and we'll, we'll check on what his questions were. Hello? Hello, is this Roger? You have Roger. Hello, Catherine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, well, I love the Uper accent, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it, like it's as thick as our winters are. <laughs> uh, just don't tell me about any delicious pasty or pinnacle playing you might be doing or anything like that because then I'd have to actually be jealous of being up north right now uh, I'll, the... I'll save that for later then okay okay sounds good um, by the way uh, those of you watching if you don't know what pasty is um, you're missing out pasty is real good stuff and it's available authentically in uh, Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Um, or if you've never heard of Pinnacle, it's a card game that you could play, uh, typically with four people. And um, also uh, super awesome, something that came from uh, the UP, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, um, so it's nice to hear your voice today. Um, tell me what, um, what would you, what did you call in today about? 
Sure. Um, what I was calling in was about the MCL, and I'll read it right now. It says a person is not eligible to the office of county clerk, county treasurer, register of deeds, prosecuting attorney, sheriff, drain commissioner, surveyor, or coroner if that person is not registered in a qualified elector of the county in which election is sought by the filing deadline. Um, and that is part of the Act 116 and 19. 54 of the Michigan election law. So my question to you, um, my story's too big to get into at this time, but maybe at a later time I could do it. But in recent local politics, uh, our local judge dismissed himself, retired early, which gives the governor um, an appointment for our circuit court judge. Uh, a uh, governor appointed our prosecuting attorney, which gave our county a vacancy. And then in order to fill that vacancy, they hired a private practice attorney from the county who immediately resigned. And then the judge has now appointed an attorney that has come out of Kent County. And if I'm reading this law correctly, and it applies to appointments, that our local judge would not be able to appoint someone to prosecute an attorney unless they were a registered elector before the previous election. Um, am I misunderstanding this law or is there more that piggybacks on this law or is it possible that um, people can shop the whole state for their elected officials in certain county positions without actually being a qualified elector of that county. Now, without having the language in in front of me, um, I'm not the best at being able to hear word for word and remember it enough to be able to dissect it. So we'll, we'll throw that caveat in there. Um, yes, I would agree that uh, with your concern, um, that uh, any elected position, even if it's filled um, by appointment in an interim basis, um, that the person in that elected position uh, has to be a resident within the the district before, um, essentially before getting put into that office. Now, um, perhaps it means even in matters of appointment that it would be um, even before the, the last election. Um, that's probably what would be uh, required. But again, without me having all of that in front of me, and I want to say there's another statute that talks about appointments in the, um, or at least talks about filling vacancies. And my understanding is that there would have to be a special election held, uh, that there wouldn't be um, an appointment uh, in that particular kind of office that it would have to be filled by a special election when there's a vacancy. So there's also that concern as well. And so if there's a special election, then it would just be that somebody would have to uh, be a resident, a, a registered voter of the county uh, where they are running for that particular office in the special election. So, um, so there's a little, there's a little bit of interplay between different statutes there. Um, does that answer the question you were looking for? Yeah, it does. Um, although it ends up being confirmation bias, it does answer what I was after. Um, 
just uh, reword it again without the extra positions. It's a short statute, so to reword it, the verbiage would be, a person is not eligible to the office of prosecuting attorney um, if the person is not registered and qualified elector of the county in which election is sought by the filing deadline. Yeah, so it'd be by the filing deadline for that particular... Um, so, like I said, for example, and, and I don't, haven't read this part of, of Michigan statutes in a while, so I don't have this memorized, but I thought that any elective office had to be... Um, well, okay, that's not exactly true, because I know, for example, Ottawa County Board of Commissioners just had a, um, or even when I was a township trustee, uh, when I moved down to Michigan, I was a town, or down from Michigan to Florida, um, I was a township trustee, and the board itself was tasked with, um, a, you know, essentially voting on and approving of uh, a replacement for me until the next um, election could take place. So they weren't calling a special election. Um, but I would say that in, in some instances, though, um, again, I could be wrong, but I think in some instances, especially when it's a countywide seat, that there has to be um, a special election called. And so then the date, the filing deadline for that special election is the deadline by which they have to be a registered voter in that county. But you can't have people that are coming in from from out of the county uh, to to hold an elective office, even if they're appointed. So, um, yeah. So I would say, what what is the particular filing deadline? Well, if the statute allows the the office to be filled by appointment, um, then I would say, um, it, I mean, it says filing deadline. Uh, so I would say it would be filing deadline for, you know, the last time there was a filing deadline. So the last time before there was um, an, an election done. That's how I would read it. Uh, I don't know how, uh, if there's any other statutes that kind of tag along with that, or if courts have somehow interpreted it any differently off the top of my head, but I would agree with you about the filing deadline. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking my call and answering that for me. Yeah, and thank you for uh, uh, letting me hear that, that Uper accent that uh, I took for granted while living in Michigan, and, and now I guess I do miss dearly. <laughs> so um, have some pasty for me later today. <laughs> and, and I'll send you off with a you betcha. Oh, awesome. You just made my day. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. <laughs> have a great day. You too. Thank you, Catherine. All right, guys. So uh, real quick, I wanted to head back to the chat. Um, Warlord on YouTube uh, said that they have a question. Um, is American Jurisprudence Second Edition binding or simply a guide to American law? It is not binding. It's not, it's not, I wouldn't even say it's authority. Um, American Jurisprudence Second Edition, any, any kind of book that summarizes uh, constitutional cases and, and elements of the Constitution. Uh, you guys can't quite see my um, setup, but I have several books actually from that shelf on all the way up that are actual, uh, you know, constitutional books, books about municipal law, um, 
whatever, all kinds of other things. So, uh, the, those books are helpful in explaining what the, the case precedent has been, uh, or perhaps, uh, there might be conflicting case precedent and, um, what, you know, what statutes there might be, uh, involved. But, um, a book like that is not binding authority. It's, it's actually not even authority in and of itself. Um, uh, if somebody wants to consider it authority, it would be persuasive authority, meaning you could use it to persuade the court that's, you know, a certain action should be taken. But, um, anyway, uh, somebody had a suggestion, Annie on YouTube, I think was, um, and, and by the way, I'm sorry, I'm noticing, you know, technology just is apparently hates me. Um, I'm noticing that I was wondering why nobody's commenting anymore on YouTube. I see in the, the background window that I have open, many people are still commenting, but what's in, in OBS right now, the part that's pulling through is frozen. And so no new comments appear to be moving uh, on my screen. Unless you guys somehow are seeing differently than what I'm seeing on my screen, um, I apologize that the new comments are not coming through there. But uh, anyway, Annie, who I believe said um, was from Wisconsin, um, had a suggestion that somebody could private message me uh, their phone number if they wanted to so I could call them back. Um, but my Facebook private messenger does not work. So I just want to alert you guys to that so no one tries to reach out via Facebook Messenger. Uh, literally has not worked at all since May of 2020. Uh, so for three and a half years, I haven't been able to see messages that come in uh, there. So, okay. Um... I want to see, do attorneys swear? Okay, so Dave on YouTube is asking a question. Um, do attorneys swear an oath to protect the Constitution? If so, to who? Who are they swearing to? Um, okay, so somebody else is saying that the chat is frozen on the screen as well. Um, so, um, okay. Yeah, so if you if anybody wants to reach out, our general email address is contact. Very strange sound just happened outside. You guys probably weren't able to hear it, but I'm a little concerned. Anyway, our email is contact at restorefreedomkh.com. Contact at restorefreedomkh.com. I obviously don't check that. Uh, during the, uh, Lori's the one that manages that email account and, uh, and sends to me, you know, the things that she's not able to um, help with or assist with personally. But I don't check email from any account during uh, the show. Anyway, I can't do too many things all at one time. But um, anyway, shoot, what was the question? Okay, so attorney's oath. So it's funny that you ask about that because um, Dave on YouTube, Dave Apex on YouTube, um, sign up for my newsletter if you haven't signed up. If you didn't get a newsletter in the last 24 hours from me, sign up for the newsletter because I did send one out yesterday. We had taken a little bit of a hiatus uh, for the holidays and for some two different court cases. I didn't even tell you guys about um, the other one uh, yet. But anyway, so um, there's two different court cases that I have been working on intensely throughout the last few weeks. And of course, with holidays and yada, yada. So uh, I stepped away from doing some of those things. Um, but anyway, yesterday I sent out a newsletter that uh, let you guys know we will start back up our freedom fighting tools, our Wednesday way to get involved challenges. Uh, we're going to be doing this show, the call-in show. And for now, I think what we're going to do is, is stick with a Tuesday at noon Eastern Standard Time for the first Tuesday of the month. 
excuse me, second Tuesday of the month. And the fourth Tuesday of the month, we'll do Tuesday at 7 p.m. And we'll try that out and see if it works. We seem to have a lot of people at both time slots. So if we do one on each, maybe that'll help. But um, anyway, so if you looked, if you did receive our our newsletter, one of the things I didn't have a freedom fighting tool last week, but what I, I left the section in there to let people know, hey, here's an example of a freedom fighting tool that we have shared before. We will continue to share those as the weeks go on now going forward. And it's funny you ask about a lawyer's oath because the image I chose to share as the example was the State Bar of Michigan lawyer's oath. Now, the State Bar of Michigan is a quasi-governmental entity uh, because being a licensed attorney in Michigan actually makes you a public official under Michigan state statutes. And uh, you have to take the constitutional oath in order to be sworn in to practice law there. And my understanding, I don't know if I've actually thoroughly researched all 50 states, but I've researched most of most of them. Uh, all of the ones that I have researched, I can tell you that every single state I have researched across the entire U.S., the attorney is required to swear an oath to uphold the U.S. and state constitutions. Now, when I got sworn into practice in federal court, um, I don't believe I swore an oath to uphold the Michigan Constitution uh, for the Michigan federal courts. I believe it was just the U.S. Constitution. And I can tell you for a fact, when I was sworn into practice at the U.S. Supreme Court, I had to swear an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution, but no state constitutions. So um, at any rate, in each state, though, there is a duty to uphold uh, not only that state's constitution, but the U.S. Constitution. That is an actual oath. Um, and so as far as who you're swearing it to, um, I'm not sure I get what your question is. It's done typically in a ceremony, uh, a public ceremony. Um, so I know that my very first swearing in ceremony in the state of Minnesota many, many years ago uh, we had, you know, a thousand people that were all, you know, swearing an oath, uh, to uphold, um, the, the state constitution and the U S constitution, et cetera. Um, there's often, um, duties to the client that are owed. Uh, never have I seen anything as a duty to the court in that oath, except, uh, most states have a clause that you will, um, tell the truth, that you're not going to perpetrate a fraud on the court, that uh, you're not going to misuse or abuse the legal system, uh, that you're not going to advance um, legal arguments that you know are, have no legal basis whatsoever, that kind of thing. Um, and so that makes sense because attorneys should have to live by uh, an oath. You know, if you think of Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, a movie from many years ago, I know, but um, I don't see many now these days. Uh, but if you think of that movie of Jim Carrey and Liar Liar um, and the whole concept of lawyers being liars, yes, lawyers oftentimes mislead. And shoot, if you want a perfect example of that, look at my um, reply brief and the appeal case that we have against the city of Ormond Beach right now. Look at my reply brief. And you can, you can do that on my website, restorefreedomkh.com. Go to the resources tab, go to the very first option, I think is about case resources, case documents, and you'll see the case with Ormond Beach. And you can click on that and you can see, I have right on there, the, the city's answer brief that they filed at the end of, uh, I think it was the end of June, June 30th. And you can see my answer brief or my reply brief, excuse me, uh, that I filed on July 27th. 
And they misled the court about the facts of the case. They mis misled the court by plagiarizing on 14 of the 18 pages of their argument section of their brief. They plagiarized, literally copied and pasted, except changing very specific words without uh, doing using the indication that they were actually um, you know, putting in brackets or in other words, showing that they were modifying the language that they copied and pasted. And, and they included the, mo the majority of the cases that they cited were non-binding. They were from other jurisdictions. They were uh, the dissenting opinions. They were unpublished opinions. They were uh, trial court decisions, which are not binding authority in any way, shape or form. Uh, so totally misleading the court. Of course, the judge did not follow up on or seem to care about any of that. Um, but anyway, uh, I brought up the issue of, you know, the, the the mistruths being in front of the judge. And that's just an example why it's so important that attorneys have that oath for um, candor, you know, for truthfulness in asserting legal arguments, et cetera, that you don't, you know, purposely elicit a lie out of testimony from a witness, that kind of thing. Um Uh, let's see. Um, I'm just looking here to see if we have any other comments that I have not been able to catch up on. Oh, it looks like Lori did share the direct link for the Ormond Beach case. Um, you can see all the documents and that is in uh, the YouTube chat. I'm not sure if she put it in the Facebook or the Rumble. Um, and Warlord. You don't have to ask Lori. I just answered you on that. Uh, Warlord is asking again about the American Jurisprudence Second Edition, if it's binding or if it's a guide to American law. And it's a guide. It's a guide. It's a guide. It's not at all binding. It's not even authority. It's not authority. It's it's somebody else's summary of what cases have been. Um, so, okay. So hopefully you got the answer uh, to that question. Um, okay. And Lori said she shared it everywhere. Um, and I'm just going to, um, oh boy. Okay. Lori's sending me tons of stuff. Um, Lori was trying to help me by, um, let's see. Okay. Um, she's trying to help me by pasting and copying some, some wording for some statutes that we were talking about with our last caller. But it's way too much reading for me to try to do and have you guys just stare at me blankly in the meantime. So um, anyway, um, so yes, hopefully we got the question uh, answered there for Warlord um, that we had just covered that a minute ago and, and I said it again. Um, but no, American jurisprudence, any any of those kinds of, you know, a constitutional book, um, a book that summarizes court cases, any of that, it's not, it's not binding. It's not authority. The only authority would be case precedent, unfortunately, as they see it, uh, or they call it case law, but case precedent, and then of course, statutory authority. So they're actually enacted statutes by our legislatures. And then of course, the supreme law of the land is the constitution. So you have your state constitution, the US constitution, et cetera. Um, and we were having such an awesome show that with Liberty Cause helping in the background, we just crashed his entire system. So uh, anyway, for whatever that's worth. Um, so I'm just going to head back, uh, if I can, to the chat. Um, no, you're good, Warlord. Uh, I just wanted to make sure, because I went through a whole much, uh, a whole uh, explanation, a bigger, probably a more eloquent, uh, full explanation a little bit ago. So um, 
Uh, I wanted to make sure you caught that. But um, anyway, hopefully at least the question is answered for you and you're able to catch that. Now, if you have any other questions related to that, go ahead and shoot them in there real quick before we head out for the day. Um, okay, and I'm just looking here to see... Um, so it looks like, okay, okay, good. So, um, yeah, so I Lori was asking if you had a question that you asked in the chat that we didn't get to and, and, you know, we somehow missed it. If you wanted to repost it, go ahead and do that. Um, so at any rate, um, I'm, I've. Sorry that the chat is not cooperating in OBS now and that the phone lines apparently don't want me to accept phone calls. Um, can't do anything about those technological issues. But at any rate, I did want to close out um, and give you guys a little feedback on what's going in the Allegan case. But uh, I think I might save that for our next show. So two weeks from today, we'll be live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where we're just going to open up phone lines for constitutional questions and concerns uh, like we have done here the last several times. Um, I won't necessarily have a particular topic that I'll be talking about um, because uh, quite frankly, guys, I, I spend dozens of hours uh, preparing for not just these longer live shows, um, but also the, um, the shorter ones. When I try to do those 10 minute videos, to give you guys some insight on a particular uh, smaller chunk or topic uh, of the law or the constitution. And uh, it's disheartening that people just aren't seeing it. Like somehow it's still shadow banned and it, it's not even getting in front of people. It's not the amount of reactions that's low. It's the amount of people that are actually even seeing it and viewing it in the first place. So I'm toning it a bit back and not doing those smaller videos for now. I'm not gonna put in 60 hours on research and putting things together and shrinking it down and fine tuning it and practicing uh, how I say it so I don't make a bunch of mistakes in the video and put all the videography together and and get it sent out when I'm lucky if 200 people see it on any given platform. Um, if you guys have a particular topic that we haven't been able to cover here though that you think would be very important for people nationwide to know about I'm, I am open to suggestions, and if something jumps out at me and I feel like, gosh, I'm really being pulled to go ahead and answer this kind of a question in one of the 10-minute videos, I will definitely consider that. Um, I have tried to always answer the questions that come in in any way, great um, way, shape, or form. So, um, okay, so, yes, um... Yes, Lori was just clarifying for Warlord. Uh, Warlord is saying, great show. Thank you. I'm studying law even while I work on my undergraduate degree with the help of a mentor who is a former professor of law. Uh, and so then Lori said, yes, um, even when I was in law school, they didn't really focus on the Constitution so much. They focused on cases about the Constitution instead of the actual language of the Constitution and really growing this, this climate of, what really matters is the cases, not the actual constitution. It, what matters is, you know, the final law is, is how the courts have interpreted the constitution. No, the truth is the law is the law is the law. I mean, if, if a statute is unconstitutional, then it doesn't even exist. 
because the U.S. Constitution and the state constitution prohibit certain government actions or statutes from being enacted, things like that. Um, so it, it's just something that we need to make sure um, we remember in our day-to-day -day fight with things. We don't start from the ground up. Somebody that was at our hearing in our oral argument last week was commenting on that. Um, and sorry, I'm fighting off a sneeze. So, um, of course, now that I called it out, it's not going to happen. Uh, so anyway, the, um, they were commenting about how the court seemed to view things from the ground up, like, well, she used the word that she has to stay in her lane and that she said that any constitutional issues that I raised, I raised equal protection claims, uh, documented equal protection, overwhelmingly documented equal protection claims. I raised um, challenges to due process, that due process was violated in every step of this whole case, uh, that, um, uh, you know, other constitutional issues as well. But she said, if I had any claim, any constitutional claim that I didn't have a course, uh, a recourse in this case, that I somehow needed to file an entirely separate case, like a, a whole new civil case I needed to sue the city instead of raising their constitutional deficiencies as a defense in my case, which is absurd. Um, but it's the, the concept, the, the group think at times of local government officials, including judges, that only the local law really is involved that only you know you start with the local law and only the parts you know if, if the government says well this one's relevant then we're only going to look at this one wait a minute why are we looking at only the laws that they they're selecting and they're cherry picking why are we looking at all of the laws if all of the laws are on the books then shouldn't we be following them shouldn't we follow the laws that hold them accountable that hold them in check that specifically stop them from doing something why wouldn't those matter? That's not staying in your lane by putting on blinders and going with just one law. Um, and we're not even going with the language of that particular chapter or, or whatnot in the laws. We're, you know, ad-libbing. We're adding things to it and modifying it in ways that just seem to bolster what the city wants. Um, at any rate, it's, it's frustrating to say the least, but our focus should always be on the Constitution. So... Um, I am not sure what January 23rd was about. I, there was a comment Lori made about January 23rd. Um, okay. And, oh, somebody joining us from the Keweenaw Peninsula. That's awesome. That is, uh, well, um, in the UP of Michigan, uh, if, for those of you who don't know, and I'm originally from the UP in Michigan, so, um, uh, Hence my love for pasties and um, uh, pinnacle. But uh, anyway, um, so uh, yes, <laughs> I love it. Um, wait, wait. Looks like she was pointing at uh, he or she from the UP um, is is pointing to the Lower Peninsula. Unless the attempt was to try to make it look like this, I'm not sure. You know, you're from Michigan when you go like this. And you say, well, I was born way up here, but more recently we lived way down here. Um, so anyway, okay. Um, so uh, thank you guys for joining us today. I'm gonna double check one more time to see if we have any other questions that came in. I don't see any uh, directly on the YouTube feed or from 
the background behind the scenes guys helping me to watch the Facebook and Rumble feed. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate um, all the questions and the chat going on. Make sure to join us in two weeks from today on the fourth Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. for our evening live call-in show. And hopefully the technology will work, but obviously we do what we can to try to uh, make it a reality. So be prepared to send in your phone number if the, the computer program doesn't let me actually answer calls. Instead, only allows me to dial out like it did today. Um, but anyway, thanks guys so much for joining. And um, until next time, remember, together, together, we can restore freedom. Our work to restore freedom would not be possible without support from people just like you. From the various software and hardware needed to the legal research materials, every dollar you can donate helps. Make sure to like and share this video too. And remember to follow and subscribe and click that notification button. Together, we can restore freedom.